0: We are finishing up our series of Alba Amla Mios, The Dark Side of the Mind, this week. And as you know, a a big part of her thesis is that if we really want to glorify God through our own participation in this universe, which is another fancy way of saying, if we want to be our best, (laughs) because we want God to be its best, one of the things we have to be careful of is some of the actual mental traps that our thinking can get us into. And so it's called the dark side of the mind because so often we can be our own worst enemies through our own thought processes. We're the ones that can get us perhaps in the most trouble of all. And so week by week, we've been exploring some of these kind of little mental traps that we can get ourselves into. And we're discovering ways then of getting ourselves out of them. Today, I'm going to ask the question, can you be too nice? And of course, I managed to find a joke that, uh, that illustrates that. So we'll start there. We'll start silly and then get more serious. So Bill began noticing that his coworker Joe was just too nice. Whenever something bad happened, Joe would always find a positive spin to put on it. When somebody treated him poorly, he would talk about how it was character building. When they cut his hours back at work, he talked about being able to spend more time with his family. Well, one day Bill just couldn't take it anymore. This whole Mr. Nice Guy routine, he was just up to here with it. So he interrupted Joe at the water cooler. You're just too nice, he says. You You'd find something nice to say about anything. Well, maybe that is true, says Joe. So Bill challenges him. What about John Wayne Gacy? He's that crazy guy that killed 35 people and buried them under his house. Well, Joe is kind of taken aback, but he thinks a minute. And he says, well, he certainly had a lot of energy and he was a homeowner. (laughs) Yeah. So maybe you can be too nice. (laughs) You know, Alba Alamillo says that being too nice is how you go about cooking a frog. And uh, she talks about this, uh, this kind of crazy metaphor. Apparently, if you put a frog into hot water, well, it just jumps out again, right? Um, The the frog isn't going to stand for that. But if you put a frog in just room temperature water, And coal by coal, add a little bit more fuel to the fire, the frog will happily allow itself to be cooked. And her thesis is, this is what happens when we pay too much attention to other people's ideas of the way our life should be and not enough attention to our own idea of who we are what's right for us, how we're to show up in the world, the gift that we have to give to this planet. And so she, she talks about kind of an elaborate example, and I'll, I'll, I'll try my best to repeat part of it. Uh, and it actually reminded me of something that happened to me a little bit too. But, but in, in the book, she talks about the neighbor from hell. And so the first day, the doorbell rings, it's like 8 o'clock in the morning, and she answers the door. She's getting ready for work and, you know, getting the stuff ready for the kids to go off to school. And here's this bright and chipper woman with a casserole dish. Hi, I'm your neighbor. Welcome to the neighborhood. We haven't met yet. I'm Mrs. So-and-so, and and I just wanted to welcome you to the neighborhood. Here's a a casserole, and uh, and it's wonderful to have you here, and it's great to have someone in the neighborhood that's kind of my own age, and I hope we're going to be great friends. And that was kind of about the end of it. So just a warm welcome to the neighborhood. And, um, you know, she brought the casserole dish in. And, you know, that was the first day. Second day, doorbell rings at 7.30, a little earlier that day. And there's the same woman again. And she said, well, I did want to come by and collect the casserole dish. But more importantly, I I noticed that you have two age kids. And what, with you getting ready for work and everything, I bet you could use some help. And, you know, I'm single myself. And if there's any way... I could help you. As an example, why don't I take the kids to school for you this morning so you can have a few minutes to yourself? I just know how busy you are. Well, there was kind of a feeling in her like, I don't really know this woman that well, but the school is just down at the end of the block. I, it's kind of hard to say. Uh, no to her in a way. I mean, it would be a help. It really would be a help. And she's so, I guess I'll, I guess I'll do that. So the, the, the neighbor woman takes the kids to school and you know, everything goes well. And that was day two. So day three, she comes home from work and the lady is in her house, helping her eldest son do his homework. And at first, she's like, what are you doing in here? And, uh, and she said, well, I, I was just coming by, and, uh, and, and Billy, the boy, invited me in. And I noticed he was having trouble, right? Because she had taken the kids to work, or to school, I mean. They knew her. And so, uh, and and I'm a whiz at these math problems. It's it's my great pleasure to. Well, the woman's a little nervous about this. And she said, you know, I don't really feel comfortable having you in my house um, when I'm not here. And the woman said, oh... Oh, I'm so sorry. I was, I was afraid you might feel that way. I, I really was just acting on behalf of your son who wanted some help, but I, but I totally understand, you know, I've had a tough time in this neighborhood and I understand people wanting to be cautious about things, you know, really for the last five or six years, I've almost felt kind of like an alien in this neighborhood. And I'm so looking forward to, to finally making some new friends in the neighborhood. But if you want me to leave, I I certainly would understand. Well, the woman's kind of feeling a little bit sorry for this person. So she invites her to stay and they, they have dinner and, and well, the next morning she's there sitting on the porch as they get up. Do you see where this is going? This is boiling the frog, right? Little by little, it starts to being your life as seen through the eyes of someone else. Now, sometimes it's the woman next door. Sometimes it's your spouse or partner. Sometimes it's a well-meaning parent. Sometimes it's society in general. Everybody has an idea of how your life might be better. And when we go with that, we are sitting in the pot, allowing one more coal to be added to it. Now, my theory is, at some point, we're not gonna be cooked. I I would hope not, although you can see evidence of people who really have been cooked. Haven't you perhaps noticed someone totally undermined by like maybe a a sick relative or, or someone who uh, is under the really the control of a a spouse or partner where everything has to be done according to that other person, right? And, and, uh, you, you know, sometimes there's abuse involved. Sometimes it isn't any kind of physical abuse. Sometimes it's just that you are under that person's thumb for your life. But no matter how you look at this, This is boiling the frog. Because if someone just said, hi, come on in, I'd like to control your entire life and everything you do, we'd get out of the pot, (laughs) right? We know better than that. But when it's degree by degree, when it's inch by inch. So what do you think this behavior is? Believe it or not, it is our herd behavior we as humans like to be in society. Now, not everyone of course, some people are kind of loners, but most people actually like being in society. And so part of being in society is what? Being nice, being polite, fitting in, doing what other people might ask us to do. And it's no big deal, right? A lot of times, we do things for other people just out of our love, just out of the kindness of our heart. That is Mr. Nice Guy in a good way. But there are people who will take advantage of that. There are people who offer their opinions and their ideas of how we should live our lives. And if it's no big deal, it's no big deal But when does it start being a big deal, and what can we do about it? Alba Amelia says there are a set of signs that we should be watching for. Well, first of all, if making someone else happy interferes with your goals, it's time for the stop sign. So if making someone else happy interferes with your purpose, your goals, why you're here on the planet, your ability to do and to be what you and only you can do through your sense of connection to a higher power and your idea of purpose in the world, when someone is messing with that, you are not doing anyone a favor by going along with it. The second time, she says, is if making other people happy means saying yes, when in your heart, you know you should say no. Does everybody have that, uh, that gut feeling when something just isn't right? Have you been in a situation with someone or some event and you were invited to participate in the world in some way that you just went, ooh, you know? And sometimes you stood in your truth and said, that's just not for me. You guys go ahead and, you know, do the crazy thing. You know, I'm going to go home. But haven't you also done the other thing? Even though that little piece of you said, I, I just don't really see it feel safe in this situation or, or she seems a little off to me. And don't we, don't we have a story to go that with that one too? Yeah. So if, your gut tells you, I should say, no, I should not participate. I should close the door. I should hang up the telephone. You go with your gut. Making someone else, making another part of the herd <laughs> happy when it comes at your own expense, not a good idea. Another time that we should probably just put the brakes on is if someone wants something from you that you don't want to give up right? People will always ask, and there's nothing wrong with asking, and frequently we have the capability and the wherewithal that we can give to someone who's less fortunate than we are or, or who wants something that we have, whether it be our time, our talent, or our treasure. A lot of times that's fine, but if you really don't want to give it, you should say no, The next one, I think, is uh, another place where our spidey senses come into, uh, uh, into effect. If someone's level of desired intimacy is making you uncomfortable, right? Here's where that neighbor lady, the crazy neighbor lady next door, right? The fact that she was in her space on that second day, oh, can you imagine? That must have just been right here in the pit of that woman's stomach. Why is this near stranger in my house when I get home? That should have—I mean, that should have been enough right there. It's like day one. All right, she's maybe a little overly friendly, but you know, some people are. Day two, she's in my house when I get home. Right, that spidey tingling or whatever you want to call it. Oh my gosh, when someone wants a greater degree of intimacy, whether it's a physical intimacy, whether it's sexual intimacy, whether it's a intimacy that neighbors share with one another, when someone wants in and it does not feel right, you get to say no. And then the final place where Alba Alamio says we need to do a little more work is that any time when making someone else happy means that you put up with some form of abuse. Now this one's a little trickier, isn't it? Because we're back to boiling the frog again. When does it turn into abuse, right? If you talk to anyone that has suffered from a spousal abuse or or even the, the uh, any kind of real abuse, it doesn't start there usually. It doesn't start with some kind of physical altercation usually, because what, we would get out of that situation. Usually starts with someone questioning who and what you are, it usually ramps up in terms of some kind of verbal abuse, you know, you stupid idiot or something like that, and then, you know, it just keeps moving on up, boiling that frog. So, when do you put a stop to that? As soon as you are aware of it, as soon as you realize that who you truly are is being asked to put something on the side. As soon as you have that sense, someone is wanting to control you, to have their way with you, and, and, and I don't mean that has to be in a physical sense, but anytime you are asked to be something or do something that you don't wanna be, that is the beginning of abuse. So how do we deal with this? Um, and you're gonna laugh. I mean, I think you'll laugh, because I laugh. She says, the answer to this whole problem is being honest, is simply stating your truth and to state it as simply as you possibly can. So on day number two, when you come home and you find the crazy neighbor lady camped out in your living room and you have that, just that unpleasant feeling of this isn't right, you simply say, I'm really sorry, but this isn't right. You are not allowed in my home unless I've invited you. And then, of course, people being what they are, well, I only came in because, nevertheless, you're not allowed in my house unless I invite. But I've just felt so lonely lately, and you're sent, nevertheless, <laughs> right? Never, and so that's the other key to this. Not only think of it in terms of a a very simple, what's true for you, what's important to you, what's on your mind, but stick with it. Now, I, I mentioned uh, briefly in our opening remarks around Father's Day that I was a, a foster dad for a number of years. And, and uh, luckily, they actually give us, tra- unlike the rest of fathers out there, they gave us training for it. And since specifically, since specifically I was gonna be working with troubled teenagers, uh, we had a whole session on how you say no to troubled teenagers. And they called it the nevertheless factor because teenagers love, to argue with you, and so you're getting. They want to go to a party, right? And you're going to spend the afternoon with Aunt Helen. So we're getting ready to go to Aunt Helen's. No, I want to go to that party. You never let me know we're going to go. But I want. To, I mean, why don't you drop me off at at the party and you go to see Aunt Helen? nevertheless, we're going to Anne Helen's. But you're treating me, nevertheless, today, we're going, there will be parties in the future today, nevertheless. (laughs) And so as simple as you can make your statement of truth for you, just stick to it. And for those of you who are even uh, a little too much uh, nice guy over the telephone with telephone solicitation, this is perfect for you too. Because I have to admit, I am kind of a Mr. Nice Guy. I feel weird to hang up on a telephone solicitor. I know, it's just who I am. A lot of you are stronger and you're better for it. But, But I use the nevertheless. Nevertheless, I'm not going to buy any storm windows today. (laughs) Yes, that may be true, but nevertheless, I'm not going to buy any storm windows today. It may increase the value of my home. Nevertheless, (laughs) I'm not going to buy any storm, you know, and you may have to go two or three times and then they will thank you for their time. So can you see why being Mr. Nice Guy actually isn't that nice. And the sooner that we catch ourselves being boiled as that frog, actually the nicer it is that we put a stop to it, right? So what if our pesky neighbor had gotten up to day seven when she's moved in with us, right? (laughs) Does it? Does it get easier to shut her out then? See, here's the trouble. The more you allow yourself to be boiled, the harder it is to make that jump out of the pot. So as soon as you have that sense, I'm being asked to do something that isn't right for me, that's the Mr. Nice Guy point. That's the place where we can gracefully just say no. And it's not a big deal then. Okay, One other thing that I want to talk about is, who's in charge of how people feel? Yes, each one of us is in charge of our own feelings. Now, here's where that herd ethic sometimes gets us a little mixed up, because a lot of times we think we're responsible for how other people feel. In the herd, right? In in our family groupings, in our in our neighborhoods. So when someone's in a lot of pain, and we've somehow been involved in that, oh, what do I need to do to make her feel better? When we're uh, at the job, and someone is having a, you know, maybe you're the boss at work, and someone's having just a miserable time. You know, do you make, you know, do you let her have the extra time off for when the, when her fourth grandmother dies or whatever it is, right? Because of course you can make her feel better, right? But no, you can't. And so when we're in that position of needing to say no to someone, if they take it badly, it's because they are taking it badly, probably nothing that you could or would do would actually improve that. And so you are absolutely better off in at least one of the two of you being at peace. (laughs) Let it be you. (laughs) Let it be you that gets to be authentically and powerfully and spiritually who you are meant to be. If someone else is suffering because you are authentically you, that is their deal. That is their deal. They have the right to be who you who they are. You have the right, the obligation really, the spiritual obligation, to be uniquely, powerfully, and wonderfully you. So can you guess what the homework might be for this week? <laughs> I would like you, if you're willing, to examine some of your relationships going on right now. I would like you to assess whether you're in the pot cooking. (laughs) Is there someone in your life that you would describe it as, well, I'm with her a lot of the time and it's always walking on eggshells? Ring any bells? Well, my so-and-so, whether it's my boss or whether it's my partner or whether it's my whatever, it seems like we always get to do what she slash he wants to do and never what I want to do. If these are true for you, you're in the pot. Now, some of you may almost be cooked, it's possible, I hope not, I'm gonna know for you in my prayers tonight for everyone in this room is that there's plenty of time to get out of the pot, but wherever you are in that cycle, let not one more piece of coal, not one more briquette, one, not one more degree of heat be added to it. It is time to state your truth, and how are we gonna state it? We are gonna state it as simply as we can. That's not okay with me. I will not participate in that. I do not feel good in doing that activity. And if anyone gives you some flack about it, if someone immediately starts problem solving exactly what's wrong with you or you wouldn't feel that way, what are we gonna do? We are simply going to stand firm and repeat what is true for us. Just as simply as we can, Nevertheless, I'm not going to that party. Nevertheless, I'm not going to take that extra drink and then drive us home. Nevertheless, I'm, um, you know, I'm at my limit for taking you on errands this week. You'll have to find somebody else. Nevertheless, you need to find someone else who can help you with this. You'll need to make other arrangements. Nevertheless... And you may get some of that, oh my gosh, you're ruining my life. You're the only one I can count on. If you really loved me, you would, Ray, Doesn't Isn't the potential here? Know that that is their deal. You are not doing anything to harm them. That is their deal. So you up for the homework? Some of you, actually, some of you I can see already have the situations and the people already in your heads. So I give you courage for this. My, my prayer for everyone in this room is courage to do the right thing, to stand up for the spiritual you, the person who can only do on this planet what you uniquely bring to it, and you deserve it. You deserve to live your life in freedom and in love and I will know the courage for you. Let us pray. There is one power, there is one joy, there is one life, and what I know about this life is that it is individualized. God's actual life is individualized in each person in this room. Each person here has a critical part to play authentically as us. Each one of us contributes to this universe in a, in a very important and unique way and when we, when we stray from that, when we, when we do other people's biddings, when we compromise our own sense of ideals and purpose, it is simply life going wrong. And so for each person here today, I know what I know for myself, and that is I choose my life. I live my life to its fullest. I, I contribute and participate as only I can. And as this is true for me, it is true for each person in this room. Each person here has the capability of saying no when it's appropriate, of not trying to please other people unless it can truly be given from the heart and with no strings attached. That each person here has the capability of, of saying no, of standing up for what is true and important for them. Each person here has the right to have their own feelings and be their own person. And so I claim courage. On this day, for myself, for each person here, I claim that courage to stand in my own truth, in my own light, and to love myself enough to follow through. This is the truth of who I am. This is the potential for each person here. A fully actuated, fully elevated life being exactly who we are. And I'm grateful for this. I release this prayer into the activity and action of the law itself. I let it be, and together we say, and so it is. Thank you for being here today. So glad you were here. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at www.pcsl.com.